0: Welcome to episode number 24 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and with today being the first full day of Shrine Game practice, with both the East and West squads taking the field for NFL scouts, I'm joined from St. Petersburg, Florida, by Tony Pauline, who is on hand to take in the action as he has been for over a decade. Tony, set the scene for us.
1: Well, it was nice weather today in St. Petersburg, although we had a change of venue in the past, uh, two local high schools have been used for each of the practices. All the practices are now in the Tropicana Dome, uh, which is a, a little bit different. Most of the people, including myself, most of the people I've spoken with, agree with me, I should say, in that uh, we preferred the practices outside. Um, but all the teams have been represented here, as I've posted on Twitter, as I posted on a story uh, with news and notes. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers have huge contingents uh, and with good cause because this is a good roster and there's a bit, a bit of excitement around uh, about around what's what happened today and what's going to happen in the next two days.
0: For sure. And, and before we get started here, please do keep in mind that with Tony being remote on Wi-Fi here, we may have an internet hiccup here or there. We appreciate you bearing with us as we go through to get you all the information here. Just understand that there might be uh, might be a few times where the internet cuts out on us or something may not be quite as clear. But each day, we are going to go from Monday through Wednesday, tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. We're going to take a look at every position from that day of practice. Tony's going to give us his winners and losers for the day. And I'll also have a few questions on players from what I've heard and and seen kind of thrown around about the practices. So without further ado, Tony, let's start with the quarterbacks. Nothing spectacular.
1: I mean, uh, I think the two best quarterbacks were Taylor Cornelius of Oklahoma State and Jordan Tamu of Mississippi. Cornelius has got a pretty throwing motion. He throws some terrific passes. A nice over the over the uh, over, overhand stroke. Uh, I thought Teemu made a lot of terrific passes in the short and intermediate field. You can see there's a lot of zip on his throws. His deeper passes he was missing. The uh, David Blau very athletic easily gets outside the pocket to uh, make the throw on the move. Did a good job keeping his eyes downfield. Want to still see what his official height is because he had a couple of passes batted away. You know, you got to remember one thing about this. You know, the quarterbacks are throwing to receivers that literally they probably just met for the first time yesterday. And they are also throwing in a venue that they've never been in before. So this is, you know, you're you're not looking for pinpoint accuracy. Jimmy Garoppolo did that a couple of years ago, and he went early in the draft. That's a good thing if you can do it. Uh, But if you can't do it, you just want to be generally accurate. You don't want to be wild and. You know, there weren't too many quarterbacks that were wild today. I thought that Te'amu and Cornelius were the best. Blau was there. Really, the only guy who was really disappointing was Marcus Mary or really disappointing, I should say, is Marcus Mary in a Fresno State who just, hate to say it, just looks like he doesn't belong.
0: Yeah, and I did see a few things online. Um, people were kind of hyping up what Brett Ripon did, um, saying that Easton Stick had kind of an up-and-down performance. Can you add anything on those two guys from what you saw?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the both of those guys were on the West team, and the West really didn't throw the ball too much in one-on-ones or down the field. So it, w- it was a little bit more difficult. They were more short and intermediate passes. So it was really a little bit more difficult to get a grip uh, or get a hold on what they can do, especially downfield passing, as opposed to uh, Taya Amu and, and Taylor Cornelius, who were in the East, were in the first practice, and they were letting the ball rip. You know, Rippian is. I, I don't. I don't know that he had a great practice. He was solid. He's a game manager. He was accurate in the short field. Eastern Stick again. You know, didn't stand out to me in any way. But I think it was just the difference differences in the practices between the uh, the West, where Eastern Stick and Brett Rippian lined up, as well as the East, where you saw Jordan Tayamu and Taylor Cornelius.
0: Yeah, and that kind of practice does sound like it would benefit a game manager type like Brett Ripon. Short passes where he can show off accuracy and decision-making while not really having to push the ball downfield. Let's move along to the running back position now. Tony, what would you see in the backfield today?
1: Two guys really stood out to me. Ty Johnson of Maryland, as well as uh, the Nebraska ball carrier, Devine Ozigbo. Johnson was explosive. Uh, if there's a little bit of room, he showed an incredible burst through the hole and really showed the ability to beat defenders into the open field or as much as anybody can beat defenders into the open field in a shrine game type of practice. He was quick. He was very quick, not only with his feet, but between his head, between his ears, I should say. He would see the hole, and then he would take off. Very impressed with Ty Johnson's practice today. Also caught the ball well out of the backfield. Zigbo, again, you know, we spoke about him in the preview. He listed at 230 pounds. I was told he's probably going to be closer to 222 pounds. That's his actual playing weight. But as we said in the preview, or or I should say everything we said in the preview, we saw today, a very quick back, plays more like a 205-pound back than a 220 or 225-pound ball carrier, Uh, showed the ability to create yardage, bounce around piles, make defenders miss, and has a burst through the hole. Marquis Young of Massachusetts was very good when he ran north-south. What do I mean by that? There were a couple times when Marquise Young tried to stretch around the perimeter, and he was dead in the water. Whenever he ran east-west, uh, he was he was he would lose yardage or get caught behind the line of scrimmage. But when he turned it upfield, he's a dangerous runner. Runs behind his pads, showed a terrific burst. Uh, you know, the ability to get in the open field very quickly. Again, I think this is why Marquise Young is probably going to be a late-round pick, and it can be a good situational runner at the next level just as long as you keep him going downhill.
0: I like that you mentioned Ty Johnson looking good in the receiving game, because that's one of the things we talked about in the preview this weekend, is that he wasn't really productive on the stat sheet when it came to catching passes out of the backfield. Now, whether that's a lot of the Maryland offense or his own deficiencies was kind of yet to be seen, but it's good to see him show out as a receiver in these practices, which could certainly continue to help his draft stock in addition to his big playability. Now looking to the receivers and tight ends, this was an intriguing group heading in as we discussed. Who impressed you most on Monday, Tony?
1: Let's start off with the tight ends. I mean, Kendall Blanton really looks the part. He was the most impressive physical-looking specimen out there. But he's also a big guy who moves well, very fluid, very athletic, made a lot of nice catches uh, in the scrimmage and in one-on-ones. Where Blanton has problems, as you would imagine if you ever watch Missouri play, Is with the blocking. It's just that he he shows no awareness. He got kind of fuzzy. He seemed kind of confused as to who he was going to block. Shouldn't be unexpected because Missouri they line their tight ends up in the slot. They don't often use them as inline blockers. But still, Kendall Blanton I think showed today why scouts like him because there is so much upside, so much potential there. You just have to harvest it. Kano Dillon, a guy we talked about in our preview from Oregon, who actually started his career, played three years in South Florida before transferring to Oregon. He looked good catching the ball today, made a couple of nice receptions. He's a bigger-bodied out, a bigger body out there at the tight end position. Matt Skokel, a guy who wasn't even graded coming into the year, also looked good. Looked good as a blocker. But Good as a pass catcher, not the greatest athlete, not a tight end that's going to stretch the seam, but a guy that's proficient in every area of the game and someone I think could be a good number three tight end at the next level. I spent an extensive amount of time speaking with Sokol after practice. He's an impressive guy, very articulate, bright, very respectful. Uh, You know, someone, again, I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but will be quickly scooped up as an undrafted free agent and could make a roster at the next level. The receivers. The West receivers were very, very impressive. Uh, Requavian Ray, uh, Tarver of Utah State just looked apart and played to it. What really impressed me was his route running. Very quick in and out of his breaks. Uh, ran routes with great balance. Was able to separate from uh, defenders, not only in scrimmage, but in one-on-ones. Caught the ball extremely well, extending his hands to snatch the pa- snatch the ball away from his frame. Same thing with Keyshawn Johnson of Fresno State. Outstanding route runner who consistently got separation even when he was up against smaller, quicker defensive backs. All game, Keyshawn Johnson. Didn't show the downfield burst, but again, I go back to what I said about the West team, which Keyshawn Johnson was on. The West really didn't throw the ball down the field that much. Hopefully, they'll do that over the course of the next two days. Jonathan Duhart of Old Dominion had a lot of nice receptions. Didn't show great route running. Didn't show the ability to separate. But he's a big body receiver who played like a big receiver and made a lot of nice receptions. The Marcus Lodge of Mississippi had his moments, made a couple of nice passes. But that's the Marcus Lodge uh, and his career at, at Mississippi. He makes some exceptional receptions and then he lets a lot of passes slip through his hands. I was impressed the way Jasper Horst at Princeton caught the ball. Jamal Custis of Syracuse really looked apart. Smooth, fluid, was able to adjust, showed soft, natural hands. Want to see if he's able to separate down the field, but I thought he really stood out. Sean Poindexter of Arizona had a few nice receptions. Cody Thompson of Toledo showed the ability to run routes and separate from opponents. I was very impressed with Terry Godwin of Georgia. Showed strong, soft hands, pulled a lot of the fastballs out of the air, You know, he's a smaller guy, but he got up in the crowd
0: and came down with the reception. I thought he really helped himself today. Yeah, Godwin was a guy we mentioned on the preview as a player who is built to excel in the kind of all-star setting that the Shrine game provides, in that he's a polished receiver, he's experienced, and he does have talent. I was seeing a lot of other people hyping up Terry Godwin as well, so it was good to see that you kind of saw the same thing and sort of validated what we thought going in, at least through day one. Tony, we're going to shift to the offensive line here and go over some of the blockers and what they were able to accomplish in today's practice. What did you see in the trenches?
1: First thing you need to know about the offensive linemen is they are moved around and played at different positions. So someone who may have played strictly offensive guard in college who you was used at both guard and center. College tackles were used to tackle as well as guard. So we'll just go through a bunch of them and let you know what, what, uh, what went on today. Lamont Galliard was the only full-time center who really impressed. He looked strong. He had great hand punch, uh, blocks with solid fundamentals. Nick Linder of Indiana had a really difficult day. He was run over a couple of times. You know, he competed. Hopefully he gets a little bit better for him, but he really struggled. I was impressed with Leonard Bonner, a guy who we spoke about in our preview from Arkansas State, lined up at both tackle as well as uh, guard Relatively athletic. I like his fundamentals, the way he bends his knees. And for the most part, he won out in those one-on-one battles. O'Shea Dugas of of Louisiana Tech had his moments. I was very, very impressed with Nick Allegretti of Illinois. Played both guard as well as center. Showed terrific strength at the point of attack. He's a guy that once he got his hands on the opponent, he was able to control him uh, easily, really through the whistle. Uh, the problem is, is if the opponent got the first step on Allegretti, he, was, he struggled to adjust. Tyler Jones of North Carolina State had a difficult day, which is just a continuation of what's been a tough 2018-2019 for him. In one-on-ones, he was getting blown off the point of attack by opponents. He just looked off his feet and, and showed little balance. When you get, when you get to the uh, college tackles, Tyrese St. Louis of Miami of Florida had flashes, Jawan Bushel Beattie of Michigan had his flashes. I thought James Pipkins of uh, Sioux Falls played well. Jackson Martin of Utah was very impressed with him, very, very impressed with him. Once he got his hands on the defender, he was able to control him. Ethan Greenridge of Villanova had had his flashes. Uh, Jason School of Vanderbilt, for the most part, played very well. He's not a real nimble or fluid uh, offensive lineman. But he does a great job using body positioning and angles. And once again, once he got his hands locked on the defender, game over. I was super impressed, super impressed with Paul Adams, with his fundamentals, with the footwork he showed in, in pass protection. Uh, really just, no, he, he just beat everybody he faced off against today. And I think he really helped himself. Want to talk about two small school guys. First, uh, Oli Utah from uh, Elon. Played both guard and tackle. Fundamentally, he's very sound. He does a very good job with his fundamentals, with his mechanics. He shows strength at the point of attack. The thing he lacks is a mean streak. I mean, I wanted to go out there and shake him and tell tell him to to, to throw a punch at somebody or smack him in the head. He just looks too mechanical. He has an upside, but you really want to see a fire lit under him, and you really want to see him work to finish blocks. I didn't see that. I did see it with Josh Miles of Morgan State, another guy we spoke about in our preview. He lined up primarily a guard, but he's got excellent size, terrific fundamentals, one out in the one-on-one battles. I was talking with one of the scouts before the game when we were talking about different players. He had not watched everybody. I spoke to him about Miles. He came up after practice and told me that was right on the mark with uh, Josh Miles of Morgan State. I said, you know, Miles is the type of guy that's a practice squad prospect. He disagreed with me. He thinks that from what he saw today with Josh Miles, you can put him on an active roster and develop him into a starter down the road.
0: Now, before we dive into the top defensive performances from day one at the Shrine Game, please be sure to support the draft analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you ask a question in your review, we'll do our best to answer it on the show if there's time at the end. You can also tweet us questions at Chris Trapodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Bleave Podcast to get in touch with the show as well. Now we mentioned in our preview over the weekend that the defensive crop was going to be really strong in Saint Pete here for the Shrine game. Tony, of a strong group, is there anybody standing out above the fray to you on day one? It was more the defensive tackles than the defensive ends today.
1: I thought Chris Slayton of Syracuse showed a lot of good things. Very quick, fundamentally sound. He, he, uh, when, when practice started off for the East, and he, which was the first practice, and they were doing one-on-ones and then full scrimmage, Slayton had three snaps in a row where he just annihilated his opponents. The problem with Slayton is once he gets locked up in the block, he's very slow to shed. That can be taught. I spoke with some people who say he's fundamentally very strong. It's just a matter of him transitioning that strength onto the football field. Daniel Wise had moments of glory today where he was just basically looked like a man amongst boys. We spoke about Wise. He probably should have been at the Senior Bowl. I said that he was going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. He showed as much today. Kevin Wilkins of Rutgers had his moments you know, Kevin Wilkins goes about 310 pounds, but he plays like a three technique tackle. Very quick, great first step. Maybe a three technique tackle, even at that size, from what he showed today. Ditto for Cortez Bounton. He's a little bit smaller, 290 pounds, but again, great first step, quickness off the snap, and a guy who was able to get a lot of penetration behind the line of scrimmage. As far as the defensive ends, Kyle Phillips of Tennessee showed a lot of athleticism. D.J. Blunt of McNeese State also showed a lot of athleticism. Marcus Jones of Angelo State had his moments today where he was able to beat uh, the higher level of competition. Remember, Marcus Jones of Angelo State, 37 and a half tackles for loss last year. I believe it was 17.5 sacks. Uh, A terrific athlete with great quickness, great speed off the edge. He's just got to develop some more moves. He's got to get a little bit stronger, but he showed a lot of ability. Not impressed with Landis Durham of Texas AM, who we spoke about. He was almost solely used out of a three-point stance. I didn't see him used in linebacker drills once today. Uh, and he really struggled getting off box. And once opponents got his hands on him, that was it. Same thing for Jordan Brelford out of Oklahoma State. used uh, every time every time he took a snap, it was out of a three-point stance. And I would say 90% of the times. He was getting handled by opponents, really did not look good, uh, needs a free shot at the action, could not get off blocks. Uh, overall, I, I think it was a downer of a day for Bradford, Grailford.
0: Now, one guy I want to touch on here that I, I saw some people discussing was Matthew Betts, the Canadian prospect. Um, there were a few times that I saw that he put some nice pass rush moves on display and, and really you know, showed some ability and showed that he was able to fit in. Tony, what did you see from Betts?
1: Show flashes, you know, uh, uh, somebody like that, I want to see it over the course of the practices, because again, you know, new environment, uh, a lot of these offensive tackles haven't played, uh, haven't played football in a while. I I mean, I, the signs were promising, but with a prospect like that, or even if it's a a smaller school prospect, say, uh, you know, like Marcus Jones of Angelo State, you want to see him to be, you want to see him sustain over the course of the three, three practices.
0: Now, I didn't see a lot of pub on the linebackers today. You mentioned Blunt earlier, who's kind of like an in-between type of player. Is there a reason that we didn't really see a lot of these guys hyped up today, Tony? Or were there some guys who did impress you on Monday?
1: Well, what it is, is it's very tough to scout uh, linebackers in this sort of setting. And, and I was taught that a while ago, you know, because the tight ends usually don't run deep routes, especially in the early practices. And when it comes to run uh, stuff in the run, they, they really don't hit very hard. But here's a bit of linebacker news. Jordan Jones of Kentucky, a guy that we were both looking forward to seeing play, pulled out of the game basically by own choice. Wasn't an injury. There were a few injuries, which we'll get into later on. I I was told that he basically pulled out of it because he just didn't think it was worth coming. And that turned off a lot of scouts. I mean, a lot of people were very upset about that. I heard that first thing this morning when I arrived. Uh, Jordan Jones is not on the injury list. He was supposed to be here,
0: he just didn't show up, and and he's gonna be questioned about that moving forward. Yeah, that's not a great look for a guy who isn't necessarily considered you know a lock for any sort of early pick, not even a top hundred guy on you know consensus boards or anything like that. So you don't wanna add a negative thing to your profile when you already have an opportunity to come to the Shrine game, yeah, it's not the Senior Bowl. Maybe you feel like you should have been at the Senior Bowl, but you should still come out and play. You should come come out and compete because people are going to be upset and people are going to ask him about that, and he's probably just raising more questions than anything by doing that. Do you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely, especially a, a game like this, you, you know, the Shrine game, and very unlikely he's going to get a Senior Bowl invite or he's going to be a late invite to the Senior Bowl, so this may be his only shot, and like I said, there was no mention of him being injured.
0: Now, moving on from Jordan Jones, who wasn't there, obviously there were several linebackers who were there playing, competing. Tony, what did you see and who impressed you from that group?
1: Three guys really stood out to me Ulysses Gilbert of Akron, a guy who I've had rated for the past two years. You know, he's a smaller guy, but he looked very athletic, very quick, very fluid, good change of direction, the ability to get out in the sidelines and pursuit. As far as athleticism, I got to think that Ulysses – I believe, I shouldn't – I have to think. Ulysses Gilbert looked as athletic, if not more athletic, than any linebacker on the field today. Don't know that he's going to be a starter. May not even get drafted, but I think Ulysses Gilbert is going to be a type of guy that will be a reserve linebacker at the next level and a special teams demon. Khalil Hodge of Buffalo had some flashes today where he looked absolutely dominant. He's got kind of a funky build in the sense that he's a little bit lower body heavy. Not too big on the, uh, upper, on the uh, uh, with his upper body. But as somebody pointed out to me, they think he's the perfect linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks or the Pittsburgh Steelers. So those two guys really stood out to me from the linebacker core. I also, I, let me one more time, one more guy. I was also relatively impressed with Justin Hollins of Oregon, who we spoke about in our preview. Looked very athletic. He's playing more of a strong side linebacker position here, which I'm told he's never played before, so it's a a matter of getting his feet wet. Learned something interesting about Justin Hollins uh, today. I learned when he was in high school at 200 pounds, he ran 10.56 seconds in the 100 meters. So somebody said to me, you know, he may be about 40 pounds heavier, but you're not going to lose that speed, and he
0: showed it today on the field. Now, speaking of speed, as we alluded to in our preview, there's a lot of talent in the secondary this week. Tony, what did you see on the back end? Who impressed you and, and who might have disappointed a little bit?
1: Well, the first disappointing thing is Jamal Peters had to pull out of the game because of an injury. So it was a le- legitimate withdrawal. So that was disappointing because I know we were both really looking forward to seeing him play. On the positive side, Michael Jackson, Miami of Florida, showed a lot of good things, especially early on. Constantly around the ball. Great ability to drive out of his plant and break up throws. Isaiah Wharton of Rutgers, another guy we spoke about. He's a long long corner, very fluid, very smooth, very quick and explosive. Uh, Again, another guy who was able to stay on the receiver's hip out of breaks and then make a burst to the ball and, and break up throws. I was very impressed with Rashad Fenton of South Carolina, somebody whom I've liked since he was a sophomore. What Fenton did better than anybody else today was he's able to run downfield with opponents, get his head back around, locate the pass in the air, and then position himself to, to uh, defend the throw. Really liked his game a lot today. Donald Lewis of Tulane had a couple of nice plays. Blaise Brown of Troy, who we spoke about, seems to be coming through. He had a couple of nice plays. as did Jordan Wyatt of SMU and Jimmy Moreland, small school cornerback from James Madison. I was very impressed with Godard Holman in scrimmage. He kind of struggled in the one-on-ones, but when they were going 11-on-11, 11 11, he made several nice plays. He's a feisty cornerback with decent ball skills. He's just got to pull it all together. When you're looking at the safeties, I think my my top safety or the, or the guy who impressed me the most, most was Delvon Randall of Temple. Uh, Randall was the guy who I had highly rated after his junior year. Didn't play up to uh, snuff this season. On film, anyway, he looked more like a downhill, run-defending safety. I got to tell you, Randall looked terrific in coverage today. A couple times they placed him over the slot receiver, and he, he came through showing cornerback-type of ball skills. Lucas Dennis of Boston College had a few nice plays, although the guy's tiny. I mean, he's really small. You're going to have to uh, protect him in dime packages. He's going to have to make a splash on special teams at the next level. Dakota Dixon of Wisconsin, another smaller safety but a guy who had a terrific interception and made several other nice pass defenses. A lot of people were impressed with Evan Worthington of Colorado. He's a bigger guy, more of a downhill type of safety, but he does show some range in center field. So Worthington really gave some good first impressions. We'll have to see how he, uh, uh, if he's able to keep that up and improve on that the next
0: two days. The one guy you didn't mention who I wanted to get your take on and and how he played today, the guy we did discuss in the preview going in and we're excited to watch, and that's Derek Beatty out of Kentucky. Did you see much from him? Did he stand out either positively or negatively? Up and down.
1: I mean, early on, he was getting beaten like a drum. He struggled staying on his feet. He couldn't stay with the receivers out of breaks. Kind of picked it up and seemed to get his feet underneath him. Uh, later on in practice when they were going more towards full scrimmage. We'll have to see. Hopefully he rebounds and he's able to put together a complete uh, complete uh, practice tomorrow. But I thought it was a very tough beginning for, for uh, Beatty, although he did come through late in the practice session. Another guy, I should say, who had a difficult time was Montre Hardin. someone I know I was uh, interested in, uh, I was looking forward to. He just looked small out there and he got beat multiple times.
0: Now, Tony, we've gone through every position. We've kind of given a breakdown of guys who helped their stock, guys who might have hurt their stock. Obviously, we have two days of practice left. But who do you think was the big winner from day one of try and Game practices?
1: I'm going to say Ronquavian Tarver of Utah State, and here's why. I got a lot more from him than I expected. I expected just a big-bodied receiver who was going to win out for the contested passes. But I saw a receiver that goes about 212 pounds, that 6 foot 3 that ran great routes would show great quickness was able to not only beat down defenders to come away with the reception but was able to use his quickness and his route running to separate from them which is what scouts want to see at the next level they just don't want to see a guy that's going to win out for the uh, 50-50 throws he's got to show other ways to uh, to to separate from defenders and that's what Tarver showed today he also caught everything that was thrown his way uh, great eye-hand coordination, strong and soft hands, and a guy who consistently makes the reception away from his frame. I know I sound redundant when I say that, but you know what? That's what scouts want to see when they're here. They don't want to see guys that body catch. They don't want to see guys that let the pass get inside their frame. They want to see receivers, especially taller, a bit larger, longer receivers like Tarver, extend their hands and make that re- that catch away from their body.
0: And that's it for the 24th episode of the draft analysts presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. We'll be back Tuesday with a recap of day two from St. Petersburg, but be sure to check out DraftAnalyst.com where we have some good nuggets posted that have nothing to do with the practices and everything to do with news around the college football landscape for Tony Pauline. I'm Chris Pody. Good night.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.